You've arrived in Forks with Chelsea and Grace. Chapter 6, Blood Type, or The Cullens Are Obsessed with Children. Later on that day at school, Edward begins to notice how clumsy Bella is. He finds this absolutely hilarious for no reason. I didn't know why this was so funny to me, but I laughed out loud, and several people shot me wary glances. For reasons unexplained, he sits at a different table at lunch and gets excited when Bella seems happy to see him. He beckons her to sit by him with a finger wag and a wink. Subtlety must not be very gentlemanlike. Bella agrees to sit by him, allowing them to have a normal lunchtime conversation for once, except that Edward uses this time to once again warn Bella that she should stay away from him. If you're smart, you'll avoid me. I think you've made your opinion on the subject of my intelligence clear. I wasn't exactly sure what she meant, but I smiled in apology, guessing that I must have accidentally offended her. You're telling me Edward has been around for over 100 years and doesn't understand why questioning a woman's intelligence could be taken offensively? To add insult to injury, he tries to use his vampire mind control to get Bella to spill some of her theories on why Edward is superhuman. She refuses to tell him because she's too embarrassed. Instead of accepting this answer, he makes her feel bad about not opening up, even though he spent the last five chapters keeping a massive secret from her. That's really frustrating, you know. Thank God Bella gives him an earful, calling him out for his moody behavior and cryptic comments. It's the most we've seen Bella talk, and we're on page 121 of the book. Instead of listening to what she has to say, Edward adds her so-called quick temper onto her list of positive attributes. He finally gets his mind control to work, and she tells him that she thinks maybe he was bit by a radioactive spider a la Spider-Man. As you can imagine, Edward is all flustered that she would think of him as a hero since he is so obviously a villain. After lunch, Edward tells Bella he's going to skip biology. He doesn't tell her the reason why is because they're doing a blood typing lab, which is apparently a real thing that high school science classes do. Glad to see Forks High puts resources into their STEM program. Instead of class, Edward sits in his car and listens to his calming album, which he confirms to be Debussy. He is officially the most boring vampire ever. He can't even skip class in an interesting way. Of course, this is all a plot device to make sure Edward can spot Bella, who has fainted on the parking lot sidewalk, which is somehow between the science class and the nurse's office. I have no idea how the hell this school is laid out. Eddie carries her, yes, carries her, to the nurse, where he comments again on the fact that Bella doesn't like to be taken care of. He learns that she hates the smell of blood, which blows his mind because he didn't think that humans could smell blood. She acted human, sort of, but she didn't think like a human or respond like one. He convinces the school secretary, the same one who had the hots for him, to let Bella take the rest of the day off, excused. In case you forgot that Bella wasn't like the other humans, especially the girls, Edward notices as they're walking to his car in the rain, Normal human girls wouldn't raise their faces to the drizzle that way. Normal human girls usually wore makeup. Bella never wore makeup, nor should she. The cosmetics industry makes billions of dollars a year from women who are trying to attain skin like hers. Is this a commentary on skin bleaching and the danger of Eurocentric beauty standards, or just run-of-the-mill girl hate? It's hard to tell. On the drive back to her house, Edward struggles to make small talk. Maybe he is still an awkward teen boy in some ways. He gives us some backstory on how much easier love was for the rest of his family. Rosalie instantly loved Emmett because he was so innocent, read dumb, and Emmett loved her because she was hot. Alice always knew her and Jasper were going to be together. Esme had met Carlisle when she was just a little girl and was so touched by his compassion that she remembered him into her adult years. When Carlisle turned her into a vampire, he was worried that she would be mad that he cast her soul into eternal damnation, but instead... She had been immediately prepared to join this life. Not really the life, but to join him. That's a suitcase we'll have to unpack later, because Edward is about to convince himself that loving Bella is okay because she's mature for her age. 
He uses the age-old technique of telling her, You don't seem 17. Bella claims to have an old soul. Edward thinks it's because Bella's mom is a floozy. It was easy to understand how the irresponsibility of the mother would result in the maturity of the daughter. As he's dropping Bella off at her house, he steals an unexplained key out of her jacket pocket. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, very little action. Nothing happens. Chapters. Nothing it happens. I had such a hard time prepping for this episode because nothing, nothing new happens in this chapter that hasn't already happened in the previous chapters. Um, in writing classes... Teachers are constantly, you know, pushing writers to find different ways to showcase things that are happening multiple times in a book. Like, why is this scene happening in this room 10 times? Like, let's change the venue. Let's change the people having this conversation. Let's introduce an action for them to do. Let, are they water skiing here? Are they going grocery shopping or, you know, going to a concert? Like, any of these things could happen in this book. But they go to school, Edward obsesses over Bella, and then they leave school, and Edward obsesses over Bella, and they go back to school, and Edward obsesses over Bella, then they leave school, and Edward obsesses over Bella, and it's just like rinse and repeat. Nothing novel is happening. Another thing that bothered me about her writing style and in this chapter is, so at the end, Edward like grabs a key out of her pocket, and he never talks about it, and it annoys me because the whole book were in Edward's head. So it's kind of like, I feel like if you're an author, you can't. I don't know. I don't like when they hide, like, what the main characters, um, like, or they kind of, the main character, like, reveals secrets. You know, I feel like we should learn things as the main character is learning them. Otherwise, they become an unreliable narrator. Right. So, like, Edward's like, oh, I took a key out of her pocket. I'm like, what is the key? You didn't tell us what you need the key for. Right. I'm assuming it's, like, a key to her house or her car. Right. It's interesting oh, that maybe you bring it's out up. Her, it might be out of her car because he drove her home in his Volvo. And, she, like, he stole the key to her truck. So that Alice could drive it home for her. But it's like, why not? I don't know. Just that's say how that. they ended the chapter. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is like a pivotal thing. Right. But no, it's interesting <laughs> it's that like- you bring up the the unreliable narrator. Because I think about that this as I'm reading the books. Um, I think about how much of Edward's internal monologue should we take as fact? You know, like. None. <laughs> is he legitimately thinking about the three different, you know, future possibilities that Alice has told him? Or is this just his machinations? Like, I, I don't, I don't know how much of this we can take, uh, literally or as, you know, take with a grain of salt. Like it's, this is, we're in somebody's head and like, they're obviously biased opinions that they're showing on the page. And I don't have an answer for you. I haven't figured it quite out just yet, but I will let you know, you will be the first to know if I ever figure it out. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, speaking of Edward's thoughts, another thing I noticed in this chapter, in all chapters, but Edward hates human women and vampire women too. Yes. Except for Bella. And because in this chapter, he talks about how, you know, he goes into other people's head to kind of spy on Bella. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't like to be in any of the teen girls' heads because they're just like evil and whatever. Except Angela. He says he doesn't mind being in Angela's head um, because, quote, she was kind. Her head was an easy place to be. It's like, why is that the only thing that women are useful for is to, like, be nice to you? Right, exactly. I mean, yes, everyone should be nice, but he's like, that's, he likes Angela because she's kind. And then he also hates Rosalie, but never really talks, he just says they, like, got off on the wrong foot. I I kind of know from the original book, but he never explains it. And in the first, like, chapter, he's off saying, like, she has an hourglass body, she's beautiful, but she's, like, stuck up. She only cares about herself. She's vain. Da, 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 da. Right. It's like, who, you hate everyone other than Bella and uh, your mom, who. Esme's thing is like love. Right. It's like that 
So basically, he just wants moms. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, most men only want moms in the women that they're pursuing. And that's Edward the good guy. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Like he had the rhetoric he uses to describe women is not good. You saw it. You heard it in the summary we just read where he's talking about how Bella doesn't need to wear makeup like other girls. She's so beautiful. And other girls just wear makeup and spend billions of dollars for the cosmetic industry. And it's like, first of all, if women want to wear makeup, it's none of your fucking business. Second of all, women do not wear makeup for you or for men in general. Yeah, in or to, general. They were like, they wear makeup to, and this book was written by a woman too. It was like, they wear makeup to make their skin look like Bella's. It's like, not really. People, I mean, yes, in some countries, they it's not makeup. But yeah, they do. I'm like, what is, is this talking about people bleaching their skin? Right. It's confusing. Like, are you talking about like the shade of her skin or the smoothness of her skin or what because the women that i know that wear makeup wear makeup to like use makeup in a fun way as like a thing that they do eyeshadow or something right but i just can't believe that line came out in like a 2020 book it's very confusing we're done like shaming people like women for wearing makeup right it's either like you wear too much makeup or you don't wear enough right and this comes back to the point of view question like is this edward's internal internalized bias or internalized misogyny that he will then correct later in the books or is this legitimately like the author's voice coming through in the form of edward's voice and we're supposed to take this as like oh you're right bella is so much different from all these other like fake girls so i'm gonna like bella but i'm gonna hate all these other girls because they're fake and mean and catty and blah 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 like i can't i can't differentiate and maybe it's all of that together well, earlier in the last chapter, he talked about Eric and says he has unhealthy skin. I'm How like, why rude. would you say that? That's especially if, okay, if you're writing a book for teenagers to read, why write about how someone's acne makes them unattractive? Like, it's just, yeah. It's there's, just, I mean, it just seems like unnecessarily cruel because right. a lot of your readers, I mean, every teenager, almost every teenager has like acne at some point. Right. No, and I think... I think authors writing for young writer, young readers need to keep this in mind. They really do because, yes, you want to talk about the realities of being in high school. But Edward is so negative about every single aspect of high school that when we see one more thing piled on top, like talking about somebody's unhealthy skin and talking about girls wearing makeup being a bad thing, it's like, why do you have to hate on these young people? Like, every single thing that these young people do, you're hating on them. Like, to what end? Like, what are you trying to say? That high school is the worst place in the world and you don't want to be in high school? And, like, guess what? You have to go to high school. You have to live through the hell of high school. Get over it. Some people <laughs> are nice. You puberty. You have oh, to get a pimple. Grace. If you've oh, never gotten a pimple in your life, I don't trust you. Yeah, right. Um, but also, it's like, <laughs> having acne, does that mean your skin is unhealthy? No. Either. No. So, Edward should know that. It must be nice to live in your privileged vampire life, Edward, where you've got perfect marble, hard as a rock flesh. Mm. No pores. Mm. It's just like perfectly smooth all over. Which, have we talked about if vampires can have boners? We haven't, but I think we need to talk about that. I, I wanted to bring that up in the last episode when we were talking about um, when do people mature. You know, like at what age is Edward mature enough to decide that he can want to get married? Because yeah. and then it comes all comes back to Stephanie Meyer's world building and her lore don't make sense because it they're literal marble. He talked about how his flesh basically becomes stone, but he can get excited enough around Bella to get an erection later in the series. Wait, of course, 
to get in the in, when he impregnates her. Okay, but they okay, but they don't actually talk about him getting an erection. No, no, no. But no, he, okay. it's obvious that he does because how else do you get pregnant by no, thinking yeah, I mean, about they ha- it? They have sex after they get married. Of course, they have sex. But it's like, yeah, how, how he doesn't have blood flow. So how does that work? Is his does he always have an erection? Maybe. And like, then how do two vampires have sex? Is it like? A mortar and pestle type situation exactly. like just two marbles grinding against oh that sounds terrible that's why Ro- maybe that's why rosalie and emmett are so pissed off all the time right well they, the world doesn't make sense um the world building doesn't make sense so you basically she's gonna set up some rules for us and then when it becomes inconvenient those rules get tossed out the window so also i really wish she would have like gone into more detail about the sex scene i hate that she it's built up for like so long and then it it's just like, you know, a chapter, you blink and then it's gone. I understand, I like, you know, you can only put so much in, like, a young adult book, but... I've read do- young adult books that have had more sex in them than Twilight did, and she fucking blue-balled us for four books to get to that point. Yeah. I'm just saying. But it's, like, the whole idea that he, like, is gonna have sex with her, but he could kill her because he's so strong with his, like, massive marble <laughs> dick. I just... He's 17 and he's stuck in the body of a 17-year-old, the mind of a 17-year-old, the personality of a 17-year-old, the likes and dislikes of a 17-year-old from the 1800s, okay? So never forget that. Never forget that. I, Which, I haven't forgot it, but I can't imagine that the sex is good. He has no, like, is kissing him? Like, I mean, his lips and his tongue are ice cold and rock hard. Like, well, how does his tongue, how's his tongue even it that part well maybe a tongue is like inside you so like you know their organs aren't she doesn't explain this she he's like marble she says they're like marble but then yeah, but he's able his, to like move his tongue in a way that's appealing to bella i don't get well, it well he can also talk if his tongue right. was like full of marble he wouldn't be able to talk normally right. so that's lore, why i think the maybe lore does the, not make sense no and the lips like it would not be fun to kiss stone lips right well okay okay can we talk i want to move on for a second can we yeah. talk about <laughs> we need to move on because there's, there's no answer to these questions <laughs> can we talk about flirting in this chapter how there is none about his attempts at flirting he's just like mean to her he yeah. like teases her and he's like i hope she can tell i'm teasing her and then he calls her like a dumb bitch it's like <laughs> okay so in the last chapter chapter five we have the moment where bella asks edward do you have multiple personality disorder and he's like, I can see how you would think that, but no. And he thinks this. Of course, he doesn't say it out loud because he's not forthright with Bella at all. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's important for how he, quote unquote, flirts with Bella. Edward is constantly giving Bella whiplash, you know, you know, hot one second, cold the next. And she's kind of like, wait, are you talking to me now? Are we not talking? Uh, can you warn me next time you're not going to talk to me? Because so that I can be prepared. She's like, wow, it must be so frustrating for you to have someone so erratic all the time, you know, like. She's aware of this, but I think it's important to understand Edward as like this hot and cold, you know, whiplashy kind of emotional, bipolar, all over the place kind of guy to understand his flirting. So let's talk a little bit about his flirting. At the beginning of chapter six, Edward beckons Bella to his lunch table. Right? <gasps> yes. Okay. For, for a conversation. Wink. That, yeah, he winks and, and you know signals to her with his finger because that's like really dark and sexy and mysterious and like honestly if a 17 year old weirdo like winked and beckoned at me with my with his finger when i was in high school i would have think thought there was like a prank about to happen i would have pieced out of there as quickly as possible but whatever bella's nice and kind and good-hearted and just genuinely just so perfect that she decides to go over and see him and there's literally no point to this conversation other than edward reminding bella once again 
that she should stay away from him. Okay. You winked and asked her to come over. Right. So like, she comes what? over and he, she's like, what's up? And he is like, he's like, stay away. <laughs> on page 19, he's like, well, dot, 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 I hesitated. I decided as long as I was going to hell, I might as well do it thoroughly. Like, that's what he says to her. Okay, imagine being in high school and any guy that you thought was cute saying that to you. What does that mean? I, if I don't he's know. not wearing a fedora, it doesn't make sense. Right. Well, then Bella says, you know, I don't have any idea what you mean because it makes no fucking sense, right? And then he goes, I didn't continue. That was a relief. I smiled. I know. Like, he knows he's making no sense. And to him, this is, like, kind of cute and flirty. Like, he's being like, you should stay away from me. I'm going to go to hell. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I don't get it. And he's like, I know. Like, why is this sexy? And so then... Bella asks, like, are we going to be friends? Like, is that what's happening here? And on page 120, he says, well, we can try, I suppose. But I'm warning you now that I'm not a good friend for you. Further down the page, he says, her heart beat faster. And then Bella says, you say that a lot. Because he literally says it every time, <laughs> every time. they talk. Yeah. Um, and then he goes, yes, because you're not listening to me, I said. Too intense again. I'm still waiting for you to believe it. If you're smart, you'll avoid me. Okay, ladies, let's just take a second here. No. Just no. <laughs> just no. If I was your friend and you came to me and you were like, dude, this really cute kid at school is saying all these like really weird, like ominous, like, I'm going to hell, I'm a villain, I'm dangerous, like, you should avoid me, but I want to be near you, but you should definitely avoid me. I'm telling you to avoid me. And he's being very explicit. And your friend says, hey, should I like, I like go to Seattle with him in a car by myself, like, I would fucking no. slap you right up the head. Like, no, 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 no. Okay, is this Edward's version of flirting? And does it work? And is this the right kind of messaging to kind of put in a book where young women will be reading it? Um, no. No. It's not flirting. And, like, I love romance stories. I love cheesy romance stories. I will watch a cheesy, rom like, a rom-com. I'm all for that stuff. I will read, like, filler books, you know, beach reads, because it's, like, fun. This is, like, not fun to read at all. It is not cute in any way. It's not, like, there's nothing endearing about it. Right. I love all. a good mystery. And I love a boy that is kind of, like, mysterious. And I like that, you know, push and pull of, like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm so drawn to him and blah, blah, blah. But everything about Edward is a red flag. Like, there's nothing alluring about what he's doing. He was definitely more interesting in the original Twilight book. One, because I was reading it when I was 14 years old. And two... Mm -hmm. Because for whatever reason, I was not reading into him saying, like, I'm dangerous. When I was 14, I thought of that as, I can fix him. In the yeah. 20th century, 20, the 21st century, the I can fix him attitude is out. It's, it's well, been out for years. I also feel like in the first book, he was more like, he was like, I'm dangerous. He, he more stuck to like, I'm dangerous, stay away from me. But I didn't feel like he kept trying to like... I don't know. In this book, it's so much more obvious how, like, he's trying to get close to her and then tell her to stay away from him. I feel like in the first book, he was always trying to stay away, like, trying his hard to stay away. Right. I, I think he did, like, still ask her to, if he could take her on a ride or whatever, but um, I don't know. It's also, and, like, the, the timeline of events is also really weird. I didn't mention this in the summary, but she's, like, invited to go to the beach with some of her friends from school mm -hmm. on, like, Saturday again. It's, like, before right. the homecoming dance. I don't know. Right. And, she, and we don't know why she's going to Seattle at night. Right. We don't. And I, I don't remember what it's from from the first In book. In the book, the reason she's going to Seattle is because she wants to go to an occult bookstore to learn about vampires. And she's going to go buy a book from the bookstore 
to, you know, read and learn about vampires. Dude, it's like a five-hour drive to Seattle because you never heard of, like, buying a book on a lot of local bookstores. This book was before Amazon, okay? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> yes, it was, like, early 2000s. You could still buy stuff online then, though. I know, but, I mean, like, whatever, it was I guess, definitely yeah. less accessible than You're it right. is well, now. She's a teenager. She doesn't have a credit card. She can't buy her own stuff online. Right. But her local library, that would have been more fun. But whatever. They, he needed to drive her. And it's a long drive. I have driven from Forks to Seattle, okay? It's like five hours. You have to take a car on multiple ferries. And I doubt Stephanie Meyer will even talk about that, even though it is kind of interesting to drive right. a car onto a ferry. I think, like, Stephanie Meyer just wanted to have, like, a, an intimate car scene with them, which I'm all for. I love intimate yeah. car scenes with love interest, but... Um, I'm really anticipating this just being more awkwardness because, like you said in your summary, he's like a teenage – he is a teenage boy. He has no idea how to talk to her. But when he does talk to her, he fucks it up and makes it sound like he's a fucking pedophile stalker demon from another planet. Speaking of pedophiles, this is something I wanted to touch on. He tells the story about how all his whole family met, and it's true. Like, it's much easier for two vampires to get together um, for obvious reasons. But why is that? I don't remember that being in the original series. Why did they make Esme and Carlisle's love story like that? Essentially, what happens is it's a like, Lolita Carlisle situation. sees Esme when she's a child and, like, shows her a lot of compassion. She had, like, a rough childhood, and she, like, remembers this nice man as mm-hmm. a child. She remembers him until she grows up, and then they didn't explain it i don't remember and he didn't say in this book Mm -hmm. which i feel like you shouldn't have to read twilight like you should be able to read this book as a standalone so i don't like they didn't explain why carlisle turned her into a vampire in the first place right he turned her into vampire as like a mate for him but it's like and then she woke up and she like he thought she would be mad about it which that is kind of shitty to do you should not turn someone to a vampire without their consent because you're basically that's like you know you're making you're condemning them to like eternal damnation essentially according to this book vampires are damned and like you know they have no souls like that's how they're written in this book and And carlisle didn't carlisle didn't get consent from esme and he did not get consent from edward if i'm remembering correctly edward was dying of like yellow fever and he had carlisle had such compassion for edward that he bit him and turned him and edward woke up and was like i actually would have rather died of the yellow fever because i'm a christian and now you've like eternally damned me but for yeah, whatever well, reason, like, Edward's like, you're my dad and I love you. But it's like, wait, you hate yourself now because this man did this to you? Question for mark. For being so, and like his superpower, whatever, is compassion. But why turn, and just like in general, they could have made Carlo and Esme meet in any way. Stephanie mm-hmm. Meyer could have made them, but they, but she chose to make it like a weird child. It's like, all right, we all know what happens with Jacob and Renesme at the end of the original series. And then uh, this yes. is another weird thing. So it's kind of like this is a Edward pattern. Yes. And so like how I can't overlook it. I can't be like, well, you know, whatever. That's how it has to work for a vampire and a teen girl. You want to make her a teen girl so that the readers will connect with her. But it's like, okay, but then you make a bunch of other like weird shit. I also can kind of understand the Jacob and Renesme in a way that it like makes everyone happy at the end. And like everything makes sense. Team Jacob gets like, you know, a happy ending for themselves. Right. But this is just like completely for no reason completely arbitrary but she it still is. chose to make like a weird adult grooming a young child to want to be with them when they became an adult and right. that i just that's i'm like okay that's suspicious that's right. suspicious that's suspicious <laughs> it's a it's a pattern it's a pattern and um we are close reading this book so like that's why we're being harsh about it and this is not something that's just you know being thrown out into a vacuum and to avoid like things you publish are being read by people and people will pick up certain things 
from the things that they're reading and interacting with. And you have to be super careful about like the, the stereotypes that you're promoting or, you know, helping to further. And I don't like these like uncomfy, like weird, like adult child, like romance threads that we're seeing. We see throughout yeah. all of Stephanie Meyer's books. It's freaking weird. And we should be wary. It's like, if you're going to do that, you have to make it airtight to sh- like in this case it's different because it's like fantasy right so age is like weird but you have to make it airtight on why this is okay like she should have made edward a real teenager then she mm-hmm. should have made the jacob Ren- Nes- i don't know right like, like why that up a edward, little bit more why couldn't it, edward have been more of like a jasper type like maybe recently turned yeah. um and like struggling yes, with so much struggling better. with his you know recent vampirism and then you know it's like year one of being a vampire for edward and he meets the the, the love of his life it smells really good so like he's trying to be a vampire and he's trying to be vegetarian but then he meets this girl and like everything gets thrown out the window and it's going crazy that would have been so much better also would have been a much because i was saying he's not really a villain because he's been like in this you know nice lifestyle for the vegetarian lifestyle forever so yeah that would have made way would have been he would have had way more growth as a character would have made it way more interesting less creepy Mm -hmm. meyer what were you thinking right and i have read i have read vampire stories where um vampires age like humans or you know the love interests are like recent vampires so like there's this they're literally the same age and like there's not that creepy like age gap thing going mm-hmm. on. And I think it's super effective. And it's also a way to like rewrite the trope of vampir- vampires, just like you rewrite tropes for all sorts of, you know, you know, mythical characters in all books, like werewolves and, you know, mer people and whatever else you're into out there <laughs> in the world. <laughs> centaurs. Cent- I'm into centaurs. I love a good hoofed man. I actually don't. But <laughs> imagine like the centaur version of Twilight where he's like trying to blend in in school. I, I, he's a horse or and, a goat. Um, yes. Horse. And then when they do the the like parody movie, it's played by Eric Andre in his centaur suit yes. from the subway episode. All right. Well, we should probably end here so we can workshop that. <laughs> OK, great. I love um, I love workshopping a good centaur piece. Um, yeah, it's actually something Grace and I are really good at. So. Yeah, not to brag, but um, until next time. Until next time. And that closes this chapter. See you next time in Forks.